what in the world goes out to Jeff Fisher. Oh, Jeff. Yeah. Seems like yesterday you were coaching the Rams. That's all I got. That's this. This is the episode. 47 of the Never Ever Never Ending Glory episode. Uh, geez, I can't even talk. Never Ending Glory episode. I'm just so distraught, Jer, about the uh, the Jeff Fisher firing. It, it finally up. happened. Prayers up. I mean, this is a guy who's given us so much to talk about week right. after week. I part of me is missing right now. Where do we go from here? I mean, do we? Who do we talk about? Who do we complain about each week? I mean, Jeff Fisher's gone, and he's not coming back, and he'll never get the chance. To break the record for most career losses as an NFL coach, he's See, that, tied with Dan Reeves, and it's just sad. You know, it's just that's sad. What cuts, that's what cuts the deepest. Why do they have to do it when he was that close to setting the record? As Diddy would like say, was, I feel like that was really set up on purpose. As Diddy would say, I try to black it out, but it plays again. You know, it's just <laughs> it's it's <laughs> it's a sad day. There's a a cloud hanging over the Never Ending Glory podcast, but we're gonna fight through here, folks, because we are in the fantasy football playoffs right now. Some of us are. Well, yeah, some of you are. Uh, I, I'm still – so the first time all season I made four out of my seven uh, playoffs in four out of seven leagues. First time all season, the best time to do this. I swept all my games. So I'm feeling good. I'm heading into the semifinals in four leagues. I uh, just won the one seed in a 10-teamer. So it's a nice 250 bucks. Shout out to Mike Luciani for uh, getting me into that league because um, – my beautiful wife decided to destroy her rim in her car, so I have to pay that bill. And uh, hopefully my fantasy winnings will take care of that this year. But, um, yeah, Jeff Fisher gone. I mean, Jer, who's the next coach to go? I mean, well, first off, let's go back to Jeff Fisher real quick. It's such a Rams move to fire your coach on Monday, not name the interim coach till Monday night, and then ends up that they're playing Thursday at Seattle. So, this is such a cluster F in L.A. They are going into enemy territory in Seattle. And, you know, we I felt like that we were at least going to be celebrating Fisher f- being fired because maybe Todd Gurley, they'll get creative with him. But as the biggest Todd Gurley Whoa. apologist this in New England, I cannot tell anybody to play him Thursday night against Seattle with so much turmoil going on in L.A. right now. You can't use the word Todd Gurley and creative in the same sentence. That's <laughs> well, no, you possible. can. You can without Jeff Fisher being a variable. Now that Jeff Fisher's not a variable, I'm hoping they can do something creative with him. I, I still think they, they'll I still think creativity is not something that LA actually has when it comes to using Todd Gurley. I mean that offense is just putrid. It should be locked up in a cage and thrown into uh, the Pacific Ocean. <laughs> right. But yeah, with Jeff Fisher being gone, I mean all they cared about was punt returns. That was like his big thing. And in, no, no, punting. That was the big thing. Was punting. punting. Oh, they, yeah. yeah, they, they love Johnny Hacker. Returns, but love Johnny Hacker. Ugh, what a what a what a sad turn of events for the Never Ending Glory podcast. Man, yeah. we're gonna miss him. We will. We will. And and you know what? It's so funny because so he's been a head coach for twenty two years. He's probably not going to take on a coordinator job by any stretch of the, imagine, of the imagination. Do you think you see any team taking a chance on him next year? I mean, he has a pedigree as a head coach, but. Again, he's had 135 losses. Bill Belichick could go 0-16, I think, for five straight years and still have a better winning percentage than Jeff Fisher. That's how bad Jeff Fisher was. I'm going to quote old feet here when I say this. (laughs) No. 
<laughs> perfect. Perfect. So if you had to put money on it, who's the next coach to go? Rex Ryan or Gus Bradley? I don't think that Mr. Khan in Jacksonville even knows that it, what his team is doing. So I'm going to say Gus Bradley's safe. I'm yeah. going to say the Buffalo Bills are going to be the next to fire their head coach, and, and Rex Ryan's gone. But I'm not going to say – I will say this. I think the Ryan brothers stay in Buffalo and open up their own restaurant. <laughs> A nice wing restaurant. Yes. Um, I I think Shad Khan is just trying to get the Jaguars over to London any which way he can so he doesn't care who their coach is. Yeah. Um, with Rex – you know, I, I think he's kind of getting a bad rap. I know that they're struggling right now. I believe that they are six, the Bills are 6-7. and seven. But if you think about it, last year or two years ago, the players weren't Rex's guys. They were just the cast-offs from Doug Marone's um, – his, his, um, when he was head coach there. Yes, the thousands. Yeah, and um, and then before that, you know, or this year he's finally getting his guys, and and I think he he still needs a year or two to really build his system and quote unquote build that bully that Rex likes. So I, I think that the, and it didn't didn't help that the Bills had a ton of suspensions this year. Uh, so I love to see the Bills just keep Rex for one more year and see if it can work out because I really think that there is some potential with that defense and Shady McCoy and a healthy Sammy Watkins and you know and Tyrod Taylor maybe he's not the answer there but i think he's a good stopgap until maybe they get their franchise guy um but i I think i have to tend to agree with you just because shot Khan doesn't know what's going on on his on his team he you know gus bradley has had three different eight game losing streaks with his just i can't even fathom that um yet he still has a job but that's the uh the the state of the nfl right now so again you know a long um pretty long intro here but uh it's a tough day for us here the neg pod Jeff Fisher officially fired as head coach of the Los Angeles Rams. Yes, you were a star that that burned out far too soon. It only took twenty two <laughs> years. What's the song that they play at the Oscars? I feel like that should be playing next. That they, maybe we can close the pot out with that. <laughs> oh well, you know you can work some magic in final editing, Jerry. See what we can do. Hey, check us out on Twitter at Glory Podcast on Facebook, Never Ending Glory Podcast. Send us emails negpodcastgmail.com. You can find us on iTunes, SoundCloud. Just check out, uh, search for Never Ending Glory Podcast. Be sure to subscribe, like, share. Um, make sure that you give us a five-star review and tell us how great we are. And then, of course, go to your local Giant Eagle or wherever fine spirits are sold and drink that Buckeye Vodka. And, Jared, so we we should mention, this is your first episode back as a father. Yeah. Are you? Uh, I'm assuming that you're probably, you know, once once little Ben there goes to bed, you're sipping back on a little Buckeye vodka to make sure that you're uh, you know, nice and relaxed until he wakes up 15 minutes <laughs> uh, later? You, you would think that, but the bags under my eyes would say differently. <laughs> um, yeah, it, you really, like you guys mentioned, I said that text to you guys, you really live 15 minutes to 15 minutes when you become a new father. But he's 10 days old and we're doing well, uh, really are. He's, he's, kind of, he's a blessing, but I'm looking forward to the weekend. You know, get the grandparents around, somebody else is holding them. You get a chance to actually uh, pour a nice drink and, and enjoy yourself a little bit and watch some football. But uh, when or I maybe do, sh- I, maybe shower for the first time in 10 days? Yeah, usually every other day we're on that schedule. He gets a bath one day, I take a bath the next. <laughs> I like that. So let's get into the week four. Well, yeah. first off, congratulations to um, to Ben. We'll get into a player. Uh, I think that maybe you should consider changing the name to Blau <laughs> for us, um, based on Blau Powell's week fourteen performance. We'll talk about him in a second. But the first guy that we have to talk about is Le'Veon Bell, who had one of the greatest 
fantasy football performances ever. He absolutely shredded the Buffalo Bills. I know I just fought for Rex Ryan's job here. But Le'Veon Bell, 38 rushes, which is craziness to me. Mm-hmm. I know it was it, the game was in snow, but 38 rushes for 236 yards, three rushing touchdowns, and then another four catches for 62 yards. He scored me almost 60 points in one league because of a bonus at 150. I mean, this was one of the greatest fantasy football performances we have ever seen, and it, it couldn't come at a better time for Le'Veon Bell owners who are in the first round of the playoffs because I can almost guarantee that 99% of those teams were able to make it to the next round solely because of Le'Veon Bell's performance. Oh, I'm sure there was a lot of threes and fours that advanced. They probably were questioning if they were going to have a chance. My my thing is, what if you were in this draft position in the beginning of the year and you took a flyer on Le'Veon Bell maybe in the third round, and then in the fifth round you went around and said, you know what, I I got to go with bulletproof Tom Brady here. And uh, you yes. said, I'll ride this four-week span out and see what happens. And then you get in the playoffs, and then you have just – one of the most amazing one-two combos I can remember in a long time in fantasy football. Yeah, Brady, Monday Night Football, 406 yards, three touchdowns and one pick. Last week, I suggested that you might want to bench him against Denver. Uh, I thought that he would struggle this week against Baltimore as well. Not, Not necessarily struggle, but not put up these monstrous numbers. After seeing him shred Baltimore, who's by the numbers one of the best defenses in the league, after seeing him shred them, do you still feel a little nervous about Tom Brady going into Denver without Rob Gronkowski and going against the best defense in the league in week 15 of the NFL season? Well, I would say yes if I didn't believe that LeGarrette Blunt can run the ball against him. I mean, he's a thousand yard back this year. Um, if, if the running game wasn't as strong as it is right now, because, I mean, they're doing some interesting things when they go five wide, but they're actually in 21 personnel. I mean, they're splitting. They're fullback out at DX. They're splitting um, who they have out there. Deion Lewis yesterday. They're doing some interesting stuff. I'm not afraid of what they're going to do. And I think Denver's struggling to find themselves right now. They're so reliant on their defense, and I think it's a little overrated at this point. So I'm not afraid that Tom Brady's stats are going to go down. I, I think he's still very startable going into the playoffs next week. Yeah, and I'm I'm definitely coming around to believing in in Tom here uh, against Denver. It's I'm still a little nervous though that the you know Chris Harris Jr. and Akib Talib are going to be able to shut down Malcolm Mitchell, Chris Hogan, Julian Edelman. You know that trio of receivers has really played well recently. T.J. Ward, I'm I'm sure he'll see a ton of Martellus Bennett on mm-hmm. Sunday afternoon. So I just think that Denver does match up really well with the the Patriots skill players. However, you bring up a good point with LeGarrette Blunt, um, you know, and I, I guess maybe that's why I don't expect elite QB1 numbers because Blunt I think has a big game against a pretty subpar Denver run defense. Uh, you, you alluded to the fact that Blunt is rushing for has rushed for over a thousand yards this season. That's correct. That's his, his statistically so far his best season as a pro by far. He hit a thousand yards as a rookie. He still has three more games to play, and he's at a thousand and sixty yards, I believe, and he's got fourteen touchdowns. So yeah, he leads the league in touchdowns, right? There, yeah, there's a good chance that he can hit about thirteen hundred yards and push about. 17 to 18 touchdowns and this was a player that they picked up off the scrap heap i mean right. he is signed to a minimum deal they let him walk this this past offseason said go find a contract figure out what you want to do he couldn't get any looks anywhere in the league 
and the Patriots brought him back in. It's been a match made in heaven. So he's a free agent next year, and we'll talk about this in the offseason to see where we think he ends up going. I would love to see him stay with New England. I'm assuming he's getting up there in age as a running back. He's pushing age 30, so he's probably going to look for one final payday, and he deserves it after this season. Um, but I, I guess I'm, I'm, I'm rambling here a little bit about my beloved no, Patriots. No, I think you're right because the multiplicity they showed on Monday night with, with him and then they go you know, double tight and extra tackle sometimes yeah. and then they're r- ripping off six seven yards like and then the very next play they're subbing out five guys and they're bringing in you know three receivers bennett and one one tailback and lewis but they're an empty like this is unbelievable how versatile they are and and what they can do i think he's a must brady's a must start blunt's a must start hogan is a questionable guy that you need to think about going in for uh as a deep threat like this is a great matchup for them against D- denver i don't think denver can stop them consistently without getting to Brady, you know, five, six, seven times if they really, really are trying to rush the passer and man up across the board, which I don't think they'd be successful doing. Sure. Yeah. So, you know, we're starting to come around a little bit on Brady here in week 15 and the semifinals of the fantasy football playoffs. You have to. I mean, mean, prove to me that he can't get it done in, in, in December. Right. Right. No, you're right. Unless you have like Aaron Rodgers and Tom Brady, then maybe you think you start Aaron Rodgers. But even Rodgers has a pretty tough matchup uh, this weekend. Uh, The player that we alluded to in the opening, and and I still think you should change the name of your son to Bilal. Bilal Burris has a beautiful ring to it. Um, The state of Ohio has already recognized his name as Benjamin, but you know, maybe a nickname. We'll think about it. He's got a list of like nine of them already. (laughs) Um. Powell came in after Matt Forte got hurt early in the game with a knee injury. And from there on, it was the Bilal show. And I'm going to say Bilal a lot tonight because that name is quickly becoming my favorite name. Uh, 29 rushes, 145 yards, two touchdowns, and then another five catches for 34 yards receiving. We've been waiting on Powell to finally break out. And now that he's been given the opportunity, uh, becoming the lead back for the Jets, it looks like he's going to take that opportunity and run with it, literally. Um, don't mind the pun there. He, you know, this week he has a great he has a great matchup against Miami. I know we're going to talk about him a little bit later on in the program. Um, but what what are your thoughts on Bilal Powell? You know, last week and then moving forward. Well, he's been well rested. That's for sure. That's um, true. He hasn't got a lot of runs this this, uh, this season, and you know. Against San Francisco, I mean, anybody should be running for decent numbers. It's just he's a talented back, and he can catch the ball coming to the backfield. But, you know, is this something that he could consistently do over the course of 16 weeks? I don't think so. But, you know, this week and going into next week against Miami, he's somebody you have to consider as like an RB2. Right. We don't care about you know, 16 weeks now. We're just at the no. point in the in the fantasy football season where, you know, I'm benching Todd Gurley, who was my number one overall pick, for the likes of Thomas Rawls, who I picked up off the waiver wire. Mm-hmm. It just it gets to the point right now where you have to be more strategic than anything. Uh, if Blau Powell was available, I absolutely would try to pick him up. But unfortunately, uh, our good friend Nick and Akron has already picked him up, uh, even though he's out of the playoffs. Sorry, but, man. Uh, yeah, it happens. But I, I like my squad. We'll see how it goes uh, this week against number one seed, Young Daniel. So I'm looking forward to that matchup. There'll be plenty of shit talking, I'm sure. Uh, next player we want to talk about, and he ended up being the number one receiver for the week in PPR leagues, uh, Emmanuel Sanders, who ended up having a really solid game against the Tennessee Titans. 11 catches for 100 yards and a touchdown. He wasn't the leading receiver on his team. That goes to Demarius Thomas, who had 10 catches for 100. 26 yards but 
the fact that Emmanuel Sanders was able to find the end zone, that makes him the difference between uh, being a, a solid low-end wide receiver one and being our point pounder of the week this week. Um, you know, 21, 226 yards and a touchdown combined by these two receivers. It's been a pretty up-and-down season for the Denver skill players, so it's good to see these guys who were drafted relatively early in your fantasy leagues finally start to pan out especially in a really important time right now in the in the playoffs. Um, I'm hoping that we can see a lot of this moving forward from both Demarius Thomas and Emmanuel Sanders. Both players will play the Patriots at home on Sunday. And the Patriots defense can be a little hit or miss every now and again. Obviously, they've been solid for the past few weeks, but they've been known to allow chunk yardage. So I wouldn't be shocked if both Demarius and Emmanuel Sanders had solid games coming up here in Week 15. Um, what, what do you think about I, the, the Denver offense moving I did, forward? I kind of disagree. I think uh, this week against the Patriots, Sanders and Thomas are guys you have to really consider about um, – as your number one guy and you're, and if you're looking for a wide receiver one, especially Sanders, I think that was a little bit more of a fluke thing. Um, I think that the, the Patriots do a great job of, of getting to the quarterback with three and four man rushes and really playing a little bit of zone and matchup uh, man stuff on the outside against these guys. I think that Manuel Sanders better be rubbing Simeon's foot every night with a little cocoa butter. <laughs> if he wants to get the ball as many times as he did in the last week. But I think these guys are both him and Thomas guys. You have to really strongly consider about matchups. If you're still in the playoffs here. Um, okay. I, I don't know. I 11 for 101. I don't think he's getting that much again. Um, if anything, you want to try to run the ball against the Patriots and they don't really have that kind of a run game in, in Denver. So I don't know. Well, what do I you think, think? That, you think I, Sanders well, is really going to be that kind of numbers again? I don't think it'll be the same numbers. I would not be shocked in the Patriots watching them each week. And every week I say to myself, they're the bend, don't break defense. I would not be sure. shocked if both receivers had seven to eight catches for 70 to 90 yards. They might find the end zone. They might not. I don't think it's going to be these, these top tier numbers that they had this past week, but I think they're going to be solid moving forward, especially on Sunday against the Pats. Again, they don't have a running game. Justin Forsett is just the starting running back by default, which is super frustrating for those who are heavily invested in Devontae Booker in the middle of the season. Um, so I think because of that, you're going to see a lot of dinking and dunking with Simeon to 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 both Demarius and Emmanuel Sanders. Might get A.J. Derby involved, uh, Benny Fowler. I mean, all the... the the Detroit, or I'm sorry, the Denver third receiving option. It's like a it's Russian roulette every week. You never know who it's actually yeah, going to be. Those are all guys that could have been serving at a Wahlburgers last week. We know they are. <laughs> exactly. So it you know it's um I think they'll be solid this this week, but not as spectacular as they they just were. Uh, we'll see though. We'll see. The final guy we want to talk about before we get into our next segment is Tyreek Kill, who we've talked about a lot the past few weeks, and. He's getting it done still, not only running the ball, not only receiving the ball, but returning the kick, returning punts for touchdowns, returning kicks for touchdowns. He continues to be an electric player, reminding me so much of Devin Hester back in the day. This week, he had six for six receptions for 66 yards and a touchdown. He had one fumble lost, but he also had another touchdown return. And he continues to be an absolute factor. And actually, he probably reminds Kansas City Chiefs more about the X factor, Dante Hall, who we remember back from, I believe, the early 2000s. Um, So the question I pose to you, and this was brought up by my good friend Billy from Acton. He was complaining because Tyreek Hill 
returned a kick for a touchdown or a punt for a touchdown this past week. And it counted not only for Tyreek Hill, but it also counted for the Chiefs defense. So how do you feel about that? About not only a player getting the point for, but also the defense and special teams getting the points for. Do you think that it should either be one or the other, both or none at all? What are your thoughts? We've gone round and round about this with our commissioner over the years um, <laughs> in the league from the Ville. And I, I remember somebody distinctly drafting, uh, I think it was either Dante Hall or who was it? another, you know, really like high a Devin end. Hester. Uh, yeah, I think it was Devin Hester way too early and him screaming at him for, you know, that only counts for the, the DST. It's not for that guy, you idiot. <laughs> so, in my opinion, like there's very few guys that are really worth drafting as a player or picking up as a player to get that point. So I don't know if you want to actually change the system for that. I, if you're asking me, the best of both worlds is to give it to both the player and the special team. And if you start both of them, you know, God bless you. That's that's a big reach for your, for your uh, what you're trying to do. I don't know if there's a, a good solution. I don't know. What do you think? Well, the only player that comes to mind that would be a threat to score. Actually, there's two players, uh, Antonio Brown and Odell Beckham, both return punts. I still don't know why. It, every time I see on stat tracker, Odell Beckham return punt for X amount of yards. I, yeah. I, and I feel like I, he, I feel like he does it when he wants, he just runs out there yeah, and like yeah. shoves the other guy away. Yeah. Yeah. So I just like my butt puckers a little bit. I'm like, Oh my God, he's going to die. He's going to get hurt. He's going to get hurt. The other player too is Darren Sproles who got lit up this weekend in the concussion protocol. <laughs> so, I mean, you know, they have, Unless you include return yards in your scoring system, I don't right. really see the need to I, – I guess when you score a touchdown, you score a touchdown. So I like the idea of the player getting the points for the touchdown. I also like the idea of the the DST, the defense and special teams, getting six points for the touchdown as well. Mm -hmm. So if you go into it – and you invest in the Steelers two or three rounds earlier in your draft or you pick them up off waivers and drop somebody. And, and they're not a great defense, but you're saying to yourself, well, I own Antonio Brown and I also want the Steelers defense so I can double dip. I, I think that's a strategy. And, you know, you it might burn you because the Pittsburgh D isn't great, but they have one of the most electric players returning punts for them. So I think it's a pretty bold strategy. And – if it works out, it works out. If it doesn't, it doesn't. So I'm all about if your team scores a touchdown, if your player scores a touchdown, it should count the same exact way. If, you know, last year a, a big uh, to-do was when Randall Cobb recovered a, recovered a ball in the end zone for a touchdown, even though he didn't catch the ball. I say I can't remember yeah. who it was, but say it was Richard Rodgers caught the ball, fumbled it, went into the end zone. Randall Cobb jumped on top of it. And some leagues, he got the touchdown. Some leagues, he didn't get the touchdown. But the fact that he scored a touchdown on the field, I think, means that he deserves that touchdown. So, well, that's my Well, we talked about at our owner meetings in Orlando this, this yes. offseason. Yes. Uh, so, let's move on to this guy sucks. Uh, I, I tried to do a little, little more of how Mark or Sean would do it because they are just absolute experts at it. But yeah, they Sean's can't make it. really important. good on the last pod. Good. I heard that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the first one is just mind-blowing, and I tweeted about it on the Twitter ha handle at Glory Podcast. Mike Evans and Jameis Winston against New Orleans. What the hell happened? They were supposed to be 
not only this, th- that was like the strategy that we've been talking about for the past since like week seven, mm-hmm. that week 14 and week 16, you got Jameis Winston, Mike Evans, and the rest of the Tampa Bay Bucks going up against New Orleans. You need to play, you need to trade for Mike Evans and Jameis Winston now because those two guys are going to win your league for you. Kiss of death and from the Ned and Glory Pilot. <laughs> you're welcome, everybody. But both came out and Evans went four for 42. And Jameis Winston had 184 passing yards and 16 rushing yards. We, what the hell happened? Do you still feel like – do you still feel comfortable with Evans being an elite wide receiver one in week 16 when they go into New Orleans um, again? And do you feel safe with Jameis Winston being a middle-of-the-road QB one in week 16? Well, they have Dallas this week, right? Yes. I, I feel good there. I mean, Dallas. Dallas can't defend the pass against anybody. That one, but but New Orleans know, can't either. You know, <laughs> I think New Orleans. Re- if you go back and watch some of the tape, they really sold out on just being absolute ball hawks on Mike Evans. I mean, they they were shadowing him no matter what he did. He really got no opportunity to catch anything deep, you know, deeper than ten yards. And every time they did, there was two hands in his face the whole time. So. Um, I think this week, yes. If you have him, you're comfortable playing him in this matchup for the playoffs. But you know, after that, you got to really think about it. You know, check your lineup and, and make a decision because you know they're going back to New Orleans. You know, what is it right after Dallas or is it? Two yes, weeks after? yeah, uh, week yeah. sixteen. You got to really think about that one. So, and I agree, but you know, Mike Evans, you're starting your lineup regardless. Jameis Winston, he. Probably wasn't drafted as your number one QB, so he's probably been a streaming option. I think you definitely have to take into consideration whether or not you play him. If you have a guy like Kirk Cousins or maybe a, uh, I don't know, Philip Rivers, who he struggled as well, or a, a Ben Roethlisberger, it's not as much of a slam dunk to play Jameis Winston in Week 16 as it was six weeks ago. Mm-hmm. I think you might have to go with your other players just based on the fact that we've seen them put up numbers in the past. Kirk Cousins has been electric all season. Roethlisberger can throw five touchdowns out of the blue. Same with Phillip Rivers. He slings it, especially now with the Melvin Gordon injury. They're going to be throwing it a ton. I think that you have to consider those guys and bench Jameis Winston. But Mike Evans, no matter what, is your wide receiver one that week. He can easily, you know, he's he's the biggest target, the most targeted player in the NFL. He could easily be a point pounder week in, week out. Uh, Sunday night, we saw the Cowboys lose again for the second time this season. And for the second time this season, they lost to the New New York Giants. And... Des Bryant had one catch for 10 yards and a fumble. What, what, what the hell was that against a, a – I mean, Janoris Jenkins has been an absolute monster this year at cornerback for the Giants. So I think that has a lot to do with it. But still, Des Bryant should be able to beat the one-on-one sometimes, right? Absolutely, and he did. You know, he did have, a, I think, at least two drops that were a little contested. He looked like he was not even – focus on the game at all it was not the des bryant that we're used to seeing for sure yeah. um the the one that he fumbled on was the one time he actually went looked like he went up and got the ball and just got ripped away it was unbelievable this is this is the same guy who you know loses it over not getting you know balls that he's not even open for i was right. shocked i was shocked by his performance it's shocking that he's in this list that we're talking about i know it's sad it's sad because he's been pretty solid it's been up and down uh since 
Dak or since he came back from his foot injury. But I think the most shocking thing is is that the national media is trying to make a story about whether or not the Cowboys should bench Dak Prescott because he struggled the past two weeks and because the Cowboys could only put up seven oh, points the against the Giants. The national media needs to just stop talking about the Cowboys. It's it's asinine to hear them talk about that that even that topic of him not even playing and then the topic of Tony Romo coming in and saving the day like he's some goddamn Clark Kent <laughs> on the sideline like knock it off knock it well, off well and the best part about this is this is the same national media that's been saying for the past 10 years how Tony Romo's a choke artist and he shouldn't be in a playoff situation so now now that they're that he's the backup all of a sudden he's the most popular guy in the stadium and that's Every, you know yeah. that's the narrative and it's just it's so asinine. It's it's. This is why more people need to listen to the Never Ending Glory podcast because oh. we talk nothing but facts. We don't do that. We don't have uh, a a bullshit narrative that we need to tell you. No, we have. We we just tell you how it is. And you know, I heard the the talking heads on ESPN saying how. Tony Romo is able to lead his team to, you know, between 25 and 35 points per game, and Dak Prescott can't do that. Look at the numbers. Since week seven, when Dez returned, the the Cowboys have averaged 26 points per game, and as a, for a season on a whole, they've averaged 26.25 points per game. So this team can put up numbers, and their defense isn't great, so they're going to have to score a ton of points to stay in games. But they can score points. They're they're still a good team, and it's not like there's a ton of shut down defenses in the NFC. I think they're going to be fine in the playoffs with Dak Prescott under center. He's going to do what he does best, and that's hand the ball off to Zeke Elliott and not turn the ball over. And that's just the end of story. National media needs to shut up. How do we do that? How do we get them to stop talking about this? Uh, it's, not gonna it's not going to happen, so we should get to accept it. It's kind of like the Flake Gate, which, uh, you know, the Flake Gate sure Two got. On, yeah, I'm sure you have a take on. You know what? I'm not. Too. I'm just going to say. I'm just going to leave it at this that it, it quickly got uh, got shoved under the rug, which which is just absolutely asinine. Uh, Roger Goodell said that there, no formal complaint was made, and um, yeah, okay, Rog, whatever you say, keep keep up that consistency, buddy. Uh, the last guy that we need to talk about who put up a goose egg, but it's because he was inactive. Is Julio Jones. I mean, I think that it's very important that we start talking about Julio Jones and make sure the listeners have some sort of contingency plan, either in waivers or free agency, because there is a real opportunity that Julio does not play this week against the 49ers. The 49ers are a dog poo poo team, as Sean would say. They're rolling over and dying. I don't, I don't, they have nothing to play for right now. And dog with poo with sprinkles on top. <laughs> with it being such a uh, with, with, with sour cream too as I guess our friend Sean would say <laughs> with with the and with them being such a poor run defense I just wouldn't be surprised if Devontae Freeman and Tevin Coleman ran all over the 49ers on Sunday I don't think they need Julio Jones I wouldn't be shocked if they sat Julio Jones this week which sucks for people like me who've yeah. been relying on his 20 points a game to get me into the playoffs He's going to be in a hooded sweatshirt on Sunday. I'll put so. money on it yeah. right now. You know, right now, fortunately, I have a bunch of wide receivers stocked up, but we're going to go over some free agent options and our, you know, free agent waiver wire options. And I really think that you need to pick up one of these guys as a contingency for, plan for Julio Jones because even if he plays, 
I don't think he plays a full game. I don't think he's targeted 15 times like he usually is. I don't think he's going to put up monster numbers. He could be the reason why you lose your fantasy championship, and it sucks because he's got the Niners this week, and he's at Carolina next week, so those are two cake matchups. But we want to make sure that you get to the Week 16 matchup because unlike the 49ers, the Panthers can put up points, and I wouldn't be shocked if Julio played Week 16 against Carolina and he played well. Um, so that's a great segue into talking about some of the week 14 unsung heroes and maybe some potential waiver wire targets that you could pick up to replace a guy like Julio Jones. The first guy, the first two players we want to talk about, and we'll go over them briefly because we already spoke about them earlier in the point ponder section is Chris Hogan and Malcolm Mitchell for the Patriots. The biggest thing you can do as a Tom Brady receiver, whether it be rookie or a 14-year veteran like Joey Galloway was or Chad Ochocinco was, is earn Tom Brady's trust. Because when you do, he targets you. He targets you a lot. Malcolm Mitchell has seen that the past five weeks since Rob Gronkowski got hurt. And Chris Hogan's starting to see that as well as a deep threat for the Patriots. And, Jer, correct me if I'm wrong, but if you are a wide receiver in a Tom Brady offense that Tom Brady is trusting, that usually means fantasy football success, correct? Absolutely. Well, A, it starts with targets. You know, if you're going from three targets a game because he doesn't really know you to, you know, up into the Julian Edelman level of nine to 12, um, like Chris Hogan and, and Malcolm Mitchell started to see themselves leaning towards, there's there's no ceiling to your upside. Um you know, the deep threat ability is there for Malcolm Mitchell. Uh, with Chris Hogan, they had to get a little more creative. They did a little uh, uh, flea flicker action to get him that deep ball. And then, then that was a total Eric Weddle brain fart when they got him the ball deep um, on the, the 76 touchdown yard pass. touchdown. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that, that's not him being more athletic than everybody else. So I, I question his ability to get um, deep over the middle as, as a guy like Malcolm Mitchell. But they're both guys you, that are must-starts. If you have one of them, he's a must-start as a wide receiver, too. Um, even if you have him as a wide receiver, three, you're, you're licking your chops. Yeah, you know, this week I'm trying to decide between Rashard Matthews, who just played Denver and had one catch for 29 yards, or Malcolm Mitchell. Right, or Malcolm Mitchell, who is going against Denver this week. So I'm really torn on which way I'm going to go with it just because I really – it's like against Minnesota and against Denver, and not so much Minnesota recently because their defense has taken a step back a little bit. But Denver, their secondary is so physical – they can find a way to shut down the opposing skill players. I'm torn on it. I'm probably going to tweet out later on what I end up doing or maybe do one of those polls. That seems A lot of people seem to like those. Um, and, and we'll see. I don't know. Again, we talked about these two players earlier, so I don't really want to focus too, too much time on them. Um, but So the next player that we should talk about is J.J. Nelson, who is turning into an explosive player, mm-hmm. much like uh, – Taylor Gabriel, who the Browns, I sure would love to have in the wide receiver core right now. Uh, last week against the Dolphins in pretty crappy weather, J.J. Nelson had two touchdowns on two touches, one of those being a 56-yard touchdown reception and a 75-yard run. So that now makes three touchdowns in two games, and it's really tough to to definitely say you should start J.J. Nelson, but it makes it a lot easier do the fact that Michael Floyd just got popped for a DUI, and I will be oh, absolutely yeah. shocked if he's on the field on Sunday. J.J. Nelson could be one of those players, much like what we've seen from Taylor Gabriel the past four or five weeks. Nelson could turn into one of those 
three catch, 110 yards, two touchdown guys for you this week. The way that with John Brown struggling with the the lower leg injury due to sickle cell, Larry Fitzgerald being more of a possession a possession player than a, a downfield threat, Floyd being a booze bag. I think J.J. Nelson could have some value in these fantasy football playoffs. I can see that. He's an explosive guy. I mean, John Brown was kind of the same way um, before he got kind of banged up, and, and they kind of got the, the film out on him. He's he's an explosive guy, and if we can get the ball pushed downfield by Carson Palmer, he's a, he's a threat. He's a threat in the way that, like, nobody wants to start Ted Ginn, right? Like, right. he's not reliable. But when – Sometimes he shows up and, and gets three catches for 115 yards and a touchdown, and you're like, "Holy crap!" Like, he <laughs> Where still that has it. He still and he, has and, he it. and he dropped two touchdowns. Yeah, too, and, right? he, <laughs> and he dropped two opportunities. And yeah. you know, they've shown the ability to give him the ball on you know jet sweeps and reverses. That reverse that he had was a pretty sweet play yeah. um, that he made, making a couple guys miss. So he's is he startable? You you have to have the right situation on your lineup to want to do it. But he's definitely somebody you would keep an eye on if he. Um, if you're going against him, because he could end up getting, you know, 14 points, and then that's the little bit that puts your team you're going against over the edge. Right, and I also think that you know, if we're talking dynasty formats, he, I think he's playing himself into a starting role in 2017. Oh, quite possibly. The DUI is really going to hurt uh, Michael Floyd's chances. Well, Michael Floyd's also he's also a free agent. I don't oh, see, is? I don't see Arizona. Ex- overextending themselves for him. He's been a, such a boomer bust player the past few years. Right. Former first round picks, lofty expectations. He's going to get a contract somewhere. I really don't, don't see it being in Arizona. If John Brown can get the sickle cell thing down and, and heal up, then, you know, he would be the starter opposite Larry Fitzgerald. But JJ Nelson is definitely going to have a role next season. If he continues to play. And I think that he's going to have a role for the rest of the, this season as well. Michael Floyd uh, seems like a great Miami Dolphins wide receiver opposite of Kenny Stills. <laughs> yeah, who, who? Speaking of Kenny Stills, and Jarvis also, Landry, also a free agent uh, in the off season. Kenny Stills has scored three touchdowns in the last five games, and he's probably a free agent as well. But do you feel comfortable at all starting him? A because he's Kenny Stills and he could no. easily put up a goose no. egg. And B no. No. now has Matt Moore. No. He now has Matt, Matt Moore, Moore throwing the no. ball. No, 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 no. Matt Moore looks like a guy who's a walk-on role on an old Saved by the Bell episode. Like this guy's <laughs> not a, a, somebody you can rely on as an NFL quarterback. Like the guy, the guy, uh, the episode where Johnny it was, Dakota. He looks yes. like Johnny Dakota. Yes. Giving everybody yes. weed. You know, right, Kelly right. Kapowski just, might be pregnant. Who knows? <laughs> Kelly Kapowski probably got pregnant just looking at Johnny Dakota. Johnny Dakota was years ahead of his time. He was. He was. Um, but yeah, you know. So fortunately for, I guess, I guess fortunately for Dolphins fans, uh, Ryan Tannehill's injury looks like a sprained ACL, and he might be back for the playoffs if the Dolphins make it. But it's going to be tough for the Dolphins to make it with Matt Moore as their starting quarterback for the next three weeks. Uh, so with that being said, you know, Kenny Stills is, he's literally a desperation play for your yeah. lineup. If you need a wide receiver and there's absolutely nobody available, then Kenny Stills could be a solid, uh, uh, could be a high ceiling, extremely low floor option for you. Mm-hmm. Another receiver who was a hot waiver wire ad back in weeks four or five, but he kind of lost some steam uh, after the QB carousel that started in Chicago is Cameron Meredith. 
He recently emerged again with six catches for 70, 72 yards and a touchdown against Detroit this past weekend. And he was the de facto wide receiver one for the Bears. But now Matt Barkley has a big target in Alshon Jeffrey returning, coming back from suspension. So I'm curious, Jer, if you think that maybe Cameron Meredith has some fantasy value as you know playing second fiddle to Alshon Jeffrey, maybe seeing coverage rolled over to Jeffrey and Cam Meredith seeing some soft coverage. Um, Cam Meredith's only hope is that that happens, like you said, rolling coverage over towards Alshon Jeffrey, and then he gets some looks so he can get the way uh, get as far away from Chicago as he possibly can next season. So <laughs> yeah. play play your way out of there this week, Cam. Uh, he's not a guy you need to be using for fantasy football. Like I'd be staying away from anyone from Chicago right now. The team is deplorable. They're out of the, they're out of any sort of playoff contention. They're mathematically just done. Let's let's move on from Chicago. How about two free agents, two free agent wide receivers that are really not helping their value whatsoever? Michael Floyd with a DUI and Alshon mm-hmm. Jeffrey, who just had a four-game PED suspension. You know, these two players, if they had solid seats, all they had to do was just show up and flirt with a 1,000 yards, and they were going to get bank this offseason. Yeah. And now, I mean, I still think that Alshon Jeffrey is going to get a ton of money. I don't think Michael Floyd is going to get anything more than, you know, one to two million dollars a season, but Alshon Jeffrey is going to be most likely the number one receiver on the market this offseason. I don't think that Chicago is going to pay him unless they give him the franchise tag again, which would be foolish and such a stu- that would be a Rams move if you ask me. Absolutely. Um, I was just going to say the team I think that will make a run for him was going to be LA. Well, and, and and I'm I'm actually I think that would be a great move for them because Kenny Britt loves having balls. Flop off his chest. I know I used uh, some interesting language when explaining that, but he loves, you know, just having pizza paddle hands and making a beautiful play one second and then dropping an easy pass. Tavon Austin's not a true wide receiver. Brian Quick stinks, and the nine rookies they drafted, none of them are really going to pan out. I think that it would be a great move for them to get. Alshon Jeffrey because that's exactly what their rookie quarterback Jared Goff needs that in the line that can actually protect him so he doesn't turn into David Carr um, so another young receiver that has seen a ton of love the past two weeks thanks to his quarterback is Robbie Anderson for the Jets over the past two weeks when Bryce Penny's been under center he Robbie Anderson has seen 23 targets and went 6 for 99 this week against the Dolphins I'm sorry, he has the Dolphins coming up in Week 15. He's not the most consistent wide receiver, but he's seeing the volume. Is is he worth being a wide receiver three maybe this week for a team in a pinch? Or maybe this is the perfect player for those Julio Jones owners that need somebody to need to be insured that they're going to have a starting wide receiver on their roster come weeks four, Week 15. Well, going into tonight's pod, I couldn't name one Jets wide receiver. Um, so Brandon Marshall. Has he even played this year? I, from everything we've heard from Mark Zussin, he's not even a player for the uh, the the Jets team this year. Quincy Inunua. Yeah, I was going to say Chikunwa Ukungwa uh, is the number two for them. No, this is a situation that you know. It, 
Bryce Petty was on that laundry list of quarterbacks playing backup and, and playing practice squad. And this is a guy who's been thrown to for a while. A couple injuries, right. guys move up, and then they have some chemistry. They always know where each other are. I don't think this is a viable option for you as a fantasy owner. I, I I'm gonna I'm gonna take the opposite approach here. I actually kind of like Robbie Anderson, and I don't think he's great, but he got in the end zone two weeks ago. Bryce Petty just chucks it to him. He only has eyes for Robbie Anderson. I, I think that against the Dolphins, who the Dolphins, they're, they're a pretty pretty sad defense. I think Robbie Anderson's a solid PPR wide receiver three, and, and he's a, a good option, a cheap option for you to pick up in free agency and waivers if you need that wide receiver to replace Julio Jones. I wouldn't be surprised if he went five catches, 80-some-odd yards, and a touchdown. He's got breakaway speed where he's able to, to break that big play, so he could score a long touchdown at any moment. But in the end, it's Bryce Petty as his quarterback, and uh, the Matt Moore-Bryce Petty showdown is going to be one for My the God. ages sure, on if, Sunday. If you're relying on, on Jets wide receiver threes to get you a win in the playoffs, God, God help you. God help you. <laughs> so there's some more players that I think – or we think that you really need to keep an eye on as we move forward in the fantasy football playoffs. With Melvin Gordon going down with an injury, it looks like either a hip and or knee string. He was carted off, uh, as we say here in the NEG pod. He goes on the cart game. Uh, So this is now – so I feel terrible for Chargers fans. So they've now lost Melvin Gordon for for some period of time. They lost Danny Woodhead for the season, Brandon Oliver for the season, Keenan Allen for the season, Hunter Henry's been banged up, they lost Stevie Johnson in the preseason. This team continues to just lose skill players on the offensive side of the ball over and over again. Yet, the JV offense, basically, right? But, this but, is like but, all sophomores yes, starting. Right, but Phillip Rivers still continues to to put up points. You know, and it, It's amazing. Antonio Gates is still chugging along, so, so they're, they're – they're patchworking the offense together, and the next guys up at running back are Kenneth Farrow and Ronnie Hillman. And there's really not a ton to get excited about except for the fact that they're facing the Raiders this week, and they have the Browns next week. So you got to figure there's at least some upside, whether it's RB2 or flex, for both Kenneth Farrow. And I, I hate the fact that I'm suggesting that maybe you pick up Kenneth Farrow. But if you need a running back, if you had Melvin Gordon – these are great matchups, and I really think that Farrow is going to be the early down back, and Ronnie Hillman is going to spell him every now and again, but he's going to pick up the duty as the third down running back and be the pass catching back out of the backfield. And he's been somewhat successful doing that in Denver. Obviously, you know, from everything we heard, he struggled with the playbook, and that's why Denver ultimately got rid of him, and nobody was really interested in him. He, played, he had a cup of coffee with Minnesota for a few weeks, and now he's on his third team of the season in San Diego. But he, they're going to use him because they need him. They have nobody else. So I wouldn't be surprised if both Farrow and Hillman were somewhat serviceable over the next two weeks solely because of their opportunity and solely because of their, uh, their defensive matchups. The next guy who... I'm shocked that I've always liked this player coming out of college. He's a second-round pick out of USC. Marquise Lee for the Jaguars is becoming the most consistent player or the most consistent receiver and has actually outplayed Allen Robinson when looking at targets versus production. Last week against really tough Minnesota defense, he had five catches for 113 yards, and now he faces the Titans, who are 31st against the pass in Week 16. 
So that's a great matchup. Again, if you need a Julio Jones replacement, Marquise Lee, if available, I definitely think that he could be your fill-in. I mean, Jer, have you had a chance? I know that you're a big Jags fan. You're really <laughs> looking forward to seeing the Jags play the Texans this week. Um, what do you think about Marquis Lee having wide receiver three potential in the PPR league? I, d- I don't hate the Marquis Lee pickup. Um, if he if he's out there, he's definitely something needs to be added to your waiver wire. I'm sorry, from the waiver wire onto your team. You know, drop that second defense that you got. You know, he's somebody you should add. And think about starting. You really should, especially against a team like the Titans, who, who struggle mightily against uh, off-wide receivers. So yeah, I, somebody you should definitely be considering. I'm in a league right now uh, where I have some some question marks at my wide receiver three. I played Macklin last week. That ended poorly. I have Marvin Jones, who's been hit or miss. I have Mohamed Sanu, who could be a solid wide receiver two or three this week, if especially if Julio Jones doesn't play. But I'm thinking that I'm trying to pick up both Mark Heasley and Ty Montgomery, who are both available in my waiver wires. This is a 10-team league, so the, the waiver wire is loaded. But if I'm able to get one of those guys, I'm absolutely starting them over the likes of Jeremy Macklin, who's been nothing but a disappointment. Even though he has such a great matchup against Tennessee this week, I want to start him. I just don't think I can. Uh, but I'm starting him over Mohamed Sanu, Marvin Jones. If I can get Marquise Lee, I, I think that he is just a great five to six catch player. He is the only guy who seems to be getting open and that the only player that Blake Bortles can get the ball to because <laughs> Allen Robinson, you know, maybe last year we just saw the ceiling of Allen Robinson. And I think we all exp- expected some regression from the Jags offense, but I don't think that we expected this much regression from Allen Robinson. And that's, that's been very disappointing, especially for those who took him in the first round. It's not hard to think though, when you have a quarterback is Blake Bortles. So consider right. that Allen Robinson, right. it doesn't matter who the wide receiver one is Blake Bortles, but he did it last year with Blake Bortles. So that's, that's the thing that blows my mind, blows my mind. Uh, the final player that just has some value on your waiver wire, but I just can't get behind him. But just the sole fact that he's a starting running back in the NFL and he's probably available in a lot of your leagues. It's Justin Forsett, who I mentioned oh. him earlier. He is a starter in, in Denver now. And it's such a shame because, uh, you know, when we do our our season recap, we're going to talk about hits and misses, and I'm going to a big swing and miss was I was telling people that Devontae Booker was going to win people fantasy championships this year. He looked so good early on the season, but ever since he became the starter in Denver, something happened. He like forgot how to play football, and he now lost his starting job to Justin Forsett, which just sucks because Justin Forsett's first touch with Denver was a fumble, a fumble. There's a reason why he's on the he, he was a. a um, he was on waivers in, in the NFL. He's a free agent because he sucks, but he knows Kubiak's offense, and he's going to roll with him, I guess. So we'll see how that plays out. Hopefully Booker can can grab some sort of role in Denver. Um, but my voice is getting tired real quick, so I'll give me a break, Jerry. Give me your week 15-point pounder. My week 15-point pounder we already mentioned. He's got a great matchup this week against the, uh, against the Miami Dolphins. Ball Paul, as you like Ooh. to say. By Lil Powell. Um, wow. I expect him to go for at least 100, maybe two touchdowns this week. Um, 
they have no business in, in being in this game, but I think the Jets go down swing. I think their uh, their coach has a lot to prove. He's borderline hot seat, if I'm if I'm not mistaken. I mean, sure. I feel like every Jets coach is always on the hot seat. So I, I think they they have to force feed him the ball and, and see what they could do. So I'm going to take uh, Bilal Powell this week. Is my point that, that is a ballsy move, and I appreciate it. I, I think he will be solid this week. You know, the Jets are definitely going to run the ball a ton because they don't want Bryce Petty throwing the ball 30, 40 oh, times. So nobody wants that. that. Right, right. Uh, so, hey, I support that. You know, I hope young Benjamin someday looks back on this pick and says, that was my father. That's why my nickname is Bilal because he was a point pounder <laughs> week 15 of the 2016 season. My pick, and it's pretty simple, I have a strategy. I look at the Browns' schedule. I see who they're playing, and if they're playing a team with a great running back, that's my point pounder. That's who I'm starting this week. That's who I'm picking up in every DFS league I do, whether it's DraftKings or FanDuel. That's LaShawn Shady McCoy for the Buffalo Bills, who has been unbelievable this season. Of course, the one year I don't draft him, he absolutely blows up, and he's going to have a massive game against the Cleveland Browns this week in Week 15. Unfortunately, I called the Browns winning their first game last week. They lost. They will lose this game as well. They're going to go 0-16, and they're going to get the first pick, and they're going to get Miles Garrett from Texas A&M. But um, it's, it's Shady McCoy is going to have 150, two touchdowns, catch a few balls. I will say Mike Gillisley has absolutely earned the role as a goal line back and deserves 10 touches a game, so he will probably steal – 50 to 60 scrimmage yards from LaShawn McCoy. Maybe Vulture a touchdown, but between the two of them, Buffalo is such a run-heavy team. The Browns are so bad against the run. I just mm-hmm. I love LaShawn McCoy this week. So I'm picking LaShawn McCoy as my point pounder, and um, I, he's going to run away with it this week. So unfortunately for all of our loyal listeners, I just want to let everybody know that we will not be – uh, recording a week 16 or week 15 pick them episode with people traveling and schedules and Jerry working on about 45 minutes of sleep from the past three, three nights. Uh, we decided just to stick with just the fantasy football pod this week. That was the most important one. But I do want to mention that one Mark Zustin lost his bet to me. I dominated oh, yeah. this week. I dominated this week in the picks. Went 13-3. and three. I'm one pick behind lead dog Sean right now. And, and Maki struggled again. Uh, I think he tied you, Jer. I'm actually pulling up the picks right Let's now. See. I can tell you he that. Went, he went He went 10-6. and six. So did right. I. Sean went 9-7. and seven. So 10-6, and six, not terrible. Again, I went 13 and 3. We're just going to let the listeners know. That, so right now Sean is at 115 and 75 for the season. I'm 114 and 76. Jerry's 112 and 78 and Mark is 107 and 83. So he's now 8 games behind the leader, 5 games behind you in third place. I just want everybody to know that Mark Zustin now owes me a gift for worth about $20. So I'm really gift, interested right? to see what he's going to mail me. I'm looking forward to it. I'll be sure to share that full of nickels (laughs) with all of our listeners. Um, but I am very much looking forward to that. Um, any, anything, any, um, anything, Jesus, with that being said, you know, I think this is a good time to wrap up the episode. 
Please make sure you find us on Twitter at Glory Podcast. Search for us on Facebook, SoundCloud, and iTunes. Never Ending Glory Podcast. Like us, share us, tell all your friends. Really, just just tell your friends. I mean, word of mouth is the best thing out there. Uh, send us your questions. Let us know who you're sitting and starting this week or who you want to sit and start. Uh, tweet at us. Comment on Facebook. Send us emails at negpodcast at gmail.com, and you could be in the runnings for a T-shirt. I sent those bad boys out this week, and yes, I got a bunch did. of they look great. Got a bunch of thank yous from all of the loyal listeners, and uh, retweeted those. So if you want your own free T-shirt, worn in LA, I'm going to get it to you soon enough. Don't you fret, buddy. Um, if you want your free T-shirt, just hit us up with questions, and we will be sure to accommodate that request. Jerry, do you have anything left to say to the to the wonderful listeners of the Never Ending Glory podcast? All I got to say is I got a text message during the recording of this podcast from my wife saying that my son's belly button stump just stinks like hell. Oh. So I got to go, go deal with that. <laughs> All right, Jerry. Well, good luck, and uh, I'm going to have P. Diddy take us out. All right, please. Notorious, they got to know that Life ain't always what it seem to be Words can't express what you mean to me Even though you're gone, we still a team We miss you, Jerry We miss you, Jeff We miss you all We miss that mustache <laughs> Took my friend, Jeff <laughs> Alright guys, enjoy week 15 of the Fantasy Football Playoffs We will be back next week To make sure you win your championship We're out Alright, talk to you <laughs>